from small beginnings in Zurich, Switzerland, On Running, better known as On, set out in 2010 with a big ambition to change the world of running. In the 10 years since, On has found its way onto the feet of more than 7 million runners in over 50 countries, and there's no sign of slowing down. On this episode of the Workday Podcast, we're looking behind the values and into the people who make On tick. We'll be exploring how an organization which seeks to do things differently to its competitors approaches people management and how it sources the talent that will keep the business moving forward. I'm Steve Dunn. On today's Workday podcast, I'm thrilled to be joined by Julie Moogley, Head of Talent and Operations Analytics, and Andreas Hober, HR Talent Systems Lead at ON. Julie, Andreas, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Very good to be here. Perfect. Well, listen, um, thanks for your time today. We're, we're really happy to have you on the, the Workday podcast. I just wanted to start, if I can, just to get a bit more about you both, really, get, understand your backgrounds and your journey to your, to your current role. So, Julie, maybe we could start with you, please. Yeah, we'd be happy to. Um, I've always had a passion for data. I studied mathematics and economics in undergrad and had data truly as this common thread throughout my career. Um, and then when I was in business school at Chicago Booth, I was filling the free space in my schedule between my stats and finance classes with organizational behavior and behavioral economics classes. Um, and I have to say, I was quickly hooked. I love the idea that I could use my data background to support people decisions. And I really became obsessed with this idea that companies only have limited resources. And how can we then leverage data to ensure those resources are invested in places that matter most to team members? Um, so at that time, I switched from my IT role to one in labor economics at United Airlines, then to people analytics at Swarovski after I moved to Zurich. And this was really my first exposure to the power of Workday and the true value of the data available. Um, so I was super happy to see that On was making the switch to Workday when I joined last year. Um, and now in my current role, I love that I can go from a very happy user of Workday to collaborating with the the dear Andreas on roadmap and designing ways to move the organization along the data maturity curve and also finding spots to reduce the burden of the manual talent processes, which we all all know so well. (laughs) Um, Yeah, for example, we just launched the advanced compensation module for our year-end process and seeing how much manual work was eliminated for our colleagues, all while adding this visibility and data for leaders has truly been a favorite project um, of my career to date. So I would say it's truly a dream role where I am now. Yeah, sounds good. And Andres, how about you? Tell us a little bit about your, your role and your sort of background and how you came to be uh, with the company. Yeah, happy to. So um, I first stepped into the HR world when I, when I did my master's at the University of Graz uh, in Austria. And uh, I realized very quickly that it, that's the, the area I wanted to continue. Uh, but I didn't have a clear direction of which specific field of, of HR wanted to do. And at that point, I didn't really know that uh, HRS systems are the way to go as well. And that, that's an area that's actually like up and coming. And on the other side, I was actually actively involved in the startup scene back in Austria. So I wanted to get hands-on experience uh, and therefore uh, decided to, to move to Berlin uh, to the, the, hot up st- uh, the startup uh, hotspot. And I started then my career in a, in a generalist role. And uh, I kind of did everything. So a bit of like uh, onboarding contracts, visa and so on. And very quickly then I went to N26, where I also first encountered uh, the Workday uh, system. And I quickly realized then that that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I got the opportunity to be uh, to be part of the core team of the implementation of Workday uh, at N26. 
Uh, and afterwards, they stayed into, uh, in that uh, newly established Workday team. Uh, and through that time, taking care of Workday at N26, it, I really grew my Workday knowledge intensively. And, and then it's also kind of the reason why I got reached out to by ON. Uh, and uh, I remember still the first call I had with the recruiter. Uh, I was at the Web Summit in, in Lisbon, and uh, I immediately was keen to hear more about the Swiss running brand. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I learned also that they were on the path to implement Workday, and I was really keen on being part of their of another implementation journey. And uh, uh, I really, well, there was some tense and stressful moments, of course, in the implementation project, but I really wanted to do it again and just apply my knowledge that I could gather at M26 for, for another company. Uh, and that's why I started, uh, well, started at on uh, in November 2020, uh, which is also in the middle of the lockdown, so the beginning was a bit tough. Uh, but nevertheless, I had a great, great start there. And yeah, after uh, implementation of seven months, I was able to uh, got the opportunity to uh, be a, pro a team lead, and I could able I was able to to build up a little team, and and now we're together, uh, basically making uh, the workday journey alive and on. Uh, and it's also really really a great great role there that I'm having, and I'm super happy to also work together with Julie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For those who aren't really familiar with with on, um, you know, can you can you guys tell us a little bit about the company and and how the brand positions itself differently to the competitors? I would be happy to start, and I'm sure Andreas could fill in some space also that I miss. Um, I think the history of on, I believe, also describes pretty well how we're positioned differently to competitors. Um, performance running and generally sports performance was always the core of On's origin story and really remains a central focus for the brand. Mm. Um, and as mentioned in the intro, On was born in the Swiss Alps with this goal to revolutionize the sensation of running. <laughs> um, and the shoes were designed around this one idea uh, to have a shoe that allows for soft landings followed by explosive takeoffs. And this innovation that resulted from the idea was called Cloud Tech, which is truly a unique selling point for our shoes. I must say the first time I put on a pair, I was really, really surprised. Uh, it truly feels like you're either running or walking on clouds. It's truly a, a, a new sensation for me. Um, and yeah, performance remains core to our products and our marketing positions still today. This was expanded to other sports and also performance all day lifestyle products, um, most notably with Rod the Roger, which was a close collaboration with, with the greatest of all time, Roger Federer, um, after he invested in the brand. Andreas, anything else uh, that I missed? Anything you would like to add? Um, yeah, I think uh, also one of our key differentiators at ON is uh, the drive for innovation and sustainability, and also in combination, as you mentioned before, Julia, uh, the performance part. So we believe that innovation and technology can be the key drivers for lowering impact uh, on the planet. And I think um, two great examples I wanted to, to highlight here, and I think we're all really proud of ONNOT, is first uh, the clean cloud technology that we just recently announced. Uh, so this, this new material, with this new material, we can, uh, we can make carbon emissions a starting point for the creation of, of the foam, uh, which is a material that uh, we can engineer into high-performance cushioning for, for, for the running shoes we mentioned. Um, there's also the potential to use this in other parts of the shoe, so uh, in other products in the future. So it's really a, an amazing technology that we're now uh, tapping into too. Uh, and the other example is our Cyclone product line that we're also going to release anytime soon. Uh, so these shoes are designed to be reincarnated uh, into new products uh, as these shoes are 100% made out of beans. Uh, so we can make 100% new shoes out of, of the, the reused ones. And it works as a subscription model. So whenever your shoes are completely ran off, you can just send them back and, and we will recycle them and send you new ones. Wow. 
That's so, that sounds amazing. Certainly in the, in the current climate that we're in with, you know, with ESG being such mm-hmm. a big thing and sustainability and um, I'm not sure I do enough running to actually wear out a pair of trainers, but you know, if I ever did, like, that'd certainly be an option, <laughs> but um, that's, that's huge. But thinking about that sort of, you know, that, that whole values thing and why it's so important to work for a company and, and what employees actually look at when they're, when they're looking at their options for, for which company they want to work for, mm-hmm. um, you know, with that in mind, you think of the people you attract to work it on and, and how do you think about keeping employees engaged? So sort of, what you've just been talking about, but mm-hmm. also your jobs within, you know, within um, managing the workday system. How do you think about that employee engagement piece? Yeah, that's a really good question. Team member engagement is personally a very favorite topic of mine. Um, I believe we really have a special culture at ON, and it's not something that just lives on a piece of paper. Um, it's a culture that encourages autonomy and ownership over one's work. It's a place where we focus not just on what gets done, but also how it gets done. Um, we really treat, keep in mind the spirits and the values of the company every day and in, in really everything that we do. Um, we also take the engagement survey very seriously, something that team members clearly know. Uh, actually, the last engagement survey we had over 90% participation, which is wild to me. That's something I haven't seen yet in my career to date, how many people were eager to share their opinion and also trusted that we would do something with it. Um, and what we saw in the engagement survey is that despite growing fast and onboarding more than 700 people virtually. People know how their work contributes to ON's goals. They feel a sense of belonging to the team and they're able to use their personal initiative to carry out their work. And really from the start, people know um, ON's missions and they also know their part in bringing ON's goals to fruition. Um, This shows that we're hiring the right people and we're onboarding them in a way where they clearly know how they can contribute to ON's success. Um, I also like to think that we have a very strong team spirit as well in our team, for example, in the talent ops systems and analytics teams. uh, We often say we start and finish as a team. We really do celebrate success together. So when we launched Workday, we all came together as a team to celebrate this. Um, But on the flip side, we also share learnings when things don't go to plan, which also can happen. (laughs) Um, And we're really there for each other. One other way where we encourage autonomy and also engagement at ON is that we're always looking for ways to release control as a company. Um, Most recently, we release controls with the flexible vacation days. Um, These are days that can be taken beyond what's in someone's contract, as long as it's good for the team member, good for the team, and good for ON. Um, We also released approvals within Workday to kind of release controls even further in this way. Um, and ultimately, yeah, I think the, the reason I like the engagement topics is really is something that's never complete. It's always something that needs attention and is an ongoing evolution. So I'm eager to see how people like the new time off guidelines and release controls also with approval from the manager in the next um, engagement survey. Perfect. Well, I, I wanted to delve a little bit deeper on how you guys actually use data to understand the talent that you have and mm-hmm. also where there are any gaps that may exist within your company. So what does that look like at on? And how do you go about building up a picture of your talent landscape, which is so important today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a topic uh, we discuss often because not only are we growing quickly uh, and constantly needing new skills and backgrounds, but also with the rapid growth, an individual role will stretch and grow with the company. So someone who joined last year, I mean, for me especially, I can see this in my role, despite never switching roles. Uh, you can have a whole new set of challenges and opportunities to work through. Uh, So to be successful, team members really need to continually grow with their role. 
Um, and so we realized over the last year that we needed a bit more focus on career journeys, both as an analysis to understand what skills are needed, um, and also as a way to add clarity on what different careers are available at on and on what, what makes people a good fit for the role. Um, so we're going through this with each career cluster, starting with a few pilot functions to understand the full landscape of roles available. Then working with the leaders and career journey champions, we're understanding the right levels within each role and how these levels are differentiated by key deliverables and expectations. Um, so once we have these deliverables clearly defined, we then map them to the needed skills. So both common skills, which we kind of expect to some extent are needed in all roles. So project management is an example, um, but then also what we call professional knowledge or skills that are, are very specific to the role itself, such as coding. Um, so as a result of the career journey framework, we're really hoping to increase transparency and fairness, uh, all while also having a development tool for our leaders really to empower them to have effective career development conversations and really be able to guide their teams in their development. Yeah, perfect. It's, um, it's not the easiest thing to do, especially <laughs> with, with all the other stuff you have to, to manage around yeah. the, the work and deployment. But I guess, um, you know, a natural sort of next question around that would be around skills themselves, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I talk as somebody who's who's hiring in Europe right now and, you know, there's a, there's a really fierce battle for talent going mm -hmm. on out there. So, I mean, reskilling the existing employee base is, uh, is a viable alternative to hiring new talent, right? I mean, mm -hmm. how do you think about that? So in terms of, you know, reskilling the existing workforce versus mm -hmm. having to go out there and uh, fight tooth and nail to get new employees, <laughs> how does that mix work add on? Yeah, good question. Yeah, with the Career Journey Project, we are trying to design it in a way that really does enhance the ability to develop people internally, um, all while keeping in mind the right behaviors and mindset that we're looking for. So we hope to develop internally versus hiring from the outside when possible. Um, so we really focus on also ways that an individual can advance even in expert roles without needing to become a manager, for example, to get ahead. Um, and generally as a company, I would say that we have a big emphasis on learning and development in general. Uh, for example, we have School of Leaders for leadership development with an additional focus also for new leaders. Um, and one thing that I think is special at ON is we never believe in making any training mandatory. We believe people should own their own career and also their own development. This keeps the content of trainings quite relevant, I would say, um, because if it's not matching expectation or it's not what people need, they just won't come. Uh, so the learning and development team is constantly innovating their approach and really asking people what they need to be successful. Um, and it's not just with trainings also. I and mean, we look at our people priorities and we work to understand what's the best avenue for moving the needle truly. So for example, this year, we have a, a big focus as a company on developing entrepreneurs, not employees. Um, which means that before rolling out a series of training sessions, we ask the questions around like what level this should be developed at, how do we encourage this behavior, and also develop these skills outside the classroom. Yeah. Um, yeah and as I mentioned before, I mean, reskilling and upskilling is key both for new roles, but also for ensuring team members can grow within their current role. Um, actually, just this week, we're rolling out workday learning and journeys. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited to see how we can. Um, like, yeah, encourage and nudge different learning content in the moments that matter um, and really 
be there for the key events during the team member's career. So more to come on that. We're really excited to roll that out. Julian, I know in your role, you know, a big part of what you do is you manage mobility and benefit mm-hmm. operations for, for the workforce. Put, to put it mildly, how challenging have the last 18 months been in terms of the changing face of work, the shift to remote work? And you know, what are your biggest learnings from, from that period? Yeah, yeah. These last two years have been a challenge on the mobility front. Um, visa cases on their own can be a challenge, uh, but layering on like this ever-changing COVID restriction landscape and country border closures, mobility became a whole new adventure, I would say. Yeah. Um, and these last two years, yeah, they've also introduced, as we all know very well, this remote working and video calls to a whole new level into our lives. Yeah, I really think it's incredible how quickly also as humans we adapt. Uh, For example, two years ago, if we as an organization announced that the company would be allowing one day to work from home a week, this would feel like an additional benefit. And today, after two years of working from home, telling someone that they need to come into the office four days a week would feel almost like an unimaginable demand. Right. Yeah. yeah, So I believe that this is something I really believe that if you increase flexibility and the office is no longer a mandate, then I believe it must become a magnet. And generally like a welcoming place where team members want to be, a place of social connection, where people feel a sense of belonging and a place where they can also thrive and do their best work. Um, And ONS office space is where we get together as a community. We develop relationships and learn from each other. I I feel we really place a lot of value on being together. Um, That is, of course, when allowed and and also safe for team members. Um, But for example, the IPO celebration was in person. This is something that we did. We celebrated with a hike and an outside barbecue. Um, We would always be, of course, compliant with local rules and go above and beyond to make sure people feel safe. For example, we would have like tests before small gatherings. Um, But this attention to culture and time together really creates this magnet to the office um, environment, like a real draw to being in the office and being together. And I call it like this magnet effect um, is especially apparent, I would say, when you're looking at like the office sign up. I always think it's an interesting anecdote because we have to have the sign up for coming to the office to keep our uh, numbers limited. And I always joke that the office is like the hottest spot in Zurich because it's the hardest list to get on somehow. Uh, Like within minutes, the list is completely full and people can't wait to get back together. So if you're like one of the lucky ones in the office, when the new list is posted, you'll hear someone announcing the list is open, the list is open and really like within minutes it's full. So I think that shows this uh, drive to coming back together and this magnet towards being in the office. Yeah, I love it. Well, the, the office becoming the VIP. The, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's the hardest list to get on. <laughs> Did the, two years ago, that would have been unimaginable. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's the world we live in. And I mean, Andreas, just to, to shift slightly, I mean, you, you previously worked for N26, another uh, Workday customer. So you've kind of experienced this whole HR transformation at a different kind of organization, um, you know, fintech. What, what are your views on, on how quickly... HR leaders are embracing digital change and are we moving quickly enough to get there or still are we still lagging behind in some respects? Um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, uh, I've worked at N26 uh, where the pace was also very, very fast and very dynamic and uh, people were adapting quickly and uh, the same is true at on. So I've been lucky to work in companies in the past that are keen to embrace change, digital change. So there's basically a constant transformation going on. And especially in the last months or actually years now, digital change uh, got a prime position in all our minds, right? As, as Julie's just mentioned, uh, we all uh, can't imagine to uh, to go back to the office fully. So uh, being on a Zoom call now feels way more uh, normal than it was before. And so, uh, 
it just got a really prime position and it's super, super important to, to have this in mind. And also in the HR community, uh, seeing now more than ever how important data is to informing decisions. So I guess we can always move faster, right? But in my opinion, we're moving in the right direction for sure. And one aspect that shows that uh, and how important uh, HR transformation got in the, the recent years uh, is that uh, the recent success of, of Workday, right? Like it's also, a I'm seeing so many companies globally uh, implementing Workday now, that for me, this is a very clear sign of how, uh, value, uh, how much more uh, important it got for the companies uh, to implement tools like Workday for the organization to leverage all the offers that Workday has, for example. So given you've both been involved in, in large scale HR transformation projects, I wanted to ask if you had any advice for, for any others in a similar position. So any do's or don'ts relating to these kind of projects? And Andrea, so we, we could start with you. That's a really good question. And, uh, and I think first of all, the advice really depends on the maturity of the company. So as I worked for mostly start and scale-ups, I think my advice is probably most relevant for these kind of uh, companies. And there's three points or consideration uh, I'd like to mention and uh, that I think are quite essential. And the first one is uh, to bring in internal knowledge about Workday and, and especially when you, when you implement this uh, before you start. So I, I know generally you get experts from your implementation partners, but in my opinion, it's, it's just so much more valuable and easier if there's a person who has the knowledge already uh, there um, and can try to look at all of the topics that are coming up during the implementation from an internal perspective. So for example, often start and scale-ups don't have really a super established job catalog or grading structure. Uh, and for example, these topics also came up when we implemented uh, at N26. Uh, and we kind of struggled there to like figuring out, having this timeline in the back, uh, what to do and how to do it right. And uh, on, I was really able, from my perspective, for example, to, to make sure that this is done right. So we could build up a really strong backbone of the system and to now leverage, for example, what Julie mentioned before, the advanced compensation module. Um, so that's why I think uh, internal knowledge is just so important uh, and can really expedite your decision-making decision -making process as well. And fast decisions are also super important during implementation. Uh, as you have your set timelines, your milestones, and just need to deliver. Um, the second one is a bit shorter, uh, but what I also think is uh, it's quite important is to, to be true what the system can do. Try not to oversell stuff to your st stakeholders, uh, otherwise it will come back to you at some point for sure. Uh, and then the last one I had in mind was uh, to keep it as simple as possible, from whom is involved, from decision-making processes, and of course, uh, of the design of the system. For example, when we started uh, the work, the implementation project, we sat together and had a little workshop around our design principles to make sure we all fo follow our internal guidelines uh, and re repeated them all over and over again throughout the project to our stakeholders to make sure that everyone knows kind of how we uh, want to do things. And uh, for example, the most important uh, principle we had there was to keep it simple. Perfect, great stuff. Um, Julia, anything to add on that one? Yeah, I think Andrea said it so well. I would just add not to underestimate who all needs to be involved and how important it is to not make assumptions around what impact the transformation will have on different people. Um, I think having a lot of conversations up front is key because once you know who to involve and in what capacity, I think stakeholder management becomes much easier. Um, and as Andreas mentioned, it's never good to oversell what the system can do, but on the same page, I would say uh, getting to the true need of the stakeholder is super helpful. Uh, having them come, for example, with a list of demands only to be told half isn't possible really doesn't work. 
Um, instead, getting to the root of their needs opens up this possibility to wow them with things I think they never even would have thought to ask for. Julie, Andres, that's all we have time for on the Web Dev Podcast today. But I wanted to thank you both for, for your time. Thanks for taking the time up your busy schedule to, to talk about um, life at ON. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. Thanks so much, Julie. And um, if you've enjoyed today's show, don't forget you can hear more at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can also read more at blogs.workday.com. I've been Steve Dunn on the Workday Podcast. And until next time, have a great workday.